Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Mika Kunz, and I will be reading from Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mika, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. So I wanted to give you a quickie update before I uh, launch into the message uh, about worship leader for this service. We really appreciate Rebecca leading us last week and this week. Uh, she's going back to school, though, and we are in search for a new worship leader for this service. Uh, it's been our plan uh, that Tracy Lestrap, who was leading this service, would transition back over to Celebration Hall at some point, and so that has happened. And so uh, we have some people who are stepping up to lead worship in here for the next few weeks while we are in this search. And we have... Um, uh, signed on with a company that's helping us to find that person. Uh, they have a lot uh, more names in their list than we do, and so they're going to help us find just the right person to lead this worship service. And so I just want to invite you to be in prayer about that uh, so that we have just the right person to fit us uh, to come and lead worship in this space and at this time. Uh, this is uh, an important worship service, certainly in the life of the church and for the live stream. And it's, and it's you know, this is our worship. And I don't because, you know, we don't have two separate congregations that meet in different places. We're one congregation that worships at two different times, two different styles. And so this is an important piece to the uh, team, the staff team of our church and to the ministry of our church. So I'd appreciate your prayers uh, for us as we work through the search for a worship leader for this service going forward. So we continue our journey to a soul reset uh, that we started last week. And today we're going to talk about feelings. Some of you just rolled your eyes, didn't you? Oh, good. We're going to talk about feelings while we're here. I know, I know. But, you know, we all experience feelings. We all experience feelings. Some people are, are, are very comfortable expressing those feelings outwardly, and some people uh, tend to hold those behind, tend to hold them back. Both people experience feelings deeply. It's not that one doesn't feel the feelings. They do. They just don't, may not express it. So we all feel the feelings. We all have these things inside of us. And so it's important for us to reflect on what this means in terms of our soul reset. So I want you just to consider a couple of things. Have you ever been told that something that you were feeling was wrong? Have you ever thought of any of your feelings as sinful? Have you ever stopped yourself from telling somebody what you were feeling because you thought they might make fun of you or might tell you that you should not feel that way? My guess is many of us could answer yes to one or all of those questions. See, our understanding of feelings typically comes from our cultural environment. That is true around the world. That what in the studies that have been done, humans have the same feelings wherever they live. 
It's the expression of feelings and the way the culture deals with feelings that, that is different. I'll just give you an easy example. That, and this is, this is not quite as, uh, quite as much so in America as it used to be, but it used to be pretty strongly that uh, the message for young girls was it's okay to cry. And the message for young boys was it's not okay to cry. And sometimes even told, well, no, don't cry, you should be tough. Wow, that's the option, really? Cry, be tough. I'm a boy, I guess I better be tough, right? That's a cultural thing, because that's not true everywhere. That's, that was true here and in some other places, certainly, but that's not true everywhere. Every culture has its own kind of norms of what it means to express feelings. And those are things that are not so much taught. Those are things that are caught, right? We learn by watching other people. We learn by seeing examples. And we learn, oh, that's okay to do? No, that's not okay to do. We catch those things. So I think there's some myths that we, I'm just, I'm just going to mention three. That some myths that we've learned about uh, feelings and expression of feelings. Um, one of those myths is that not showing feelings is a sign of strength. All, all, only kind of strength that that is, is that you're, you can somehow hold your feelings back and not express them. <laughs> Doesn't mean you don't feel the feelings. Another myth is that some feelings are virtuous, they're good, and some feelings are sinful. Another myth is that if you ignore a feeling, it'll just go away. One of our favorite ways, one of our favorite antidotes to that is just get busy. Just get busy. And just forget about that. Except it doesn't go away. You may think it does. It'll, it'll come back. So today we're going to talk about a healthy way to feel the feelings and what that means in terms of resetting our souls. So to do so, we're going to consider the biblical figure of David for just a little bit. Uh, David, uh, I mean, I would say he's probably the second most important influential person in the Old Testament, second to Moses. So, I mean, and he occupies things about David and that David wrote occupies a large part of the Old Testament. Now, David went through a lot of life experiences, right? And when he did, he would have feelings around those and he was an expressive person. He would express those feelings and we can learn some things about that. I mean, just, just remember some of the things he went through when he was a very young man. He was told he would be the next king of Israel. Now, at the time, Saul was king. But someday he would be. So, I, I mean, wow, really? I'll be king of Israel. But Saul is king, so he eventually becomes uh, involved in the army, in the military, for King Saul. And David is a tremendous warrior, and he knew what it was to have people praising him, chanting his name because of the victories on the battlefield. He and Saul uh, became close, and Saul loved it when David would play this musical instrument, and he would invite him to do so because it would help him to calm down and to soothe, be soothed. Because when you read the description of King Saul in the Old Testament, using our language, I mean, it just looks like he had some pretty significant mental illness that today would require medication because of the way his volatile actions so he would say, yes, play that, that really soothes me, makes, makes me feel better. And then the next thing you know, he's paranoid and wants to kill David. Well, I bet David had some feelings about that. Right. 
he, he did become king. He did become king. People praised him for being the king, the warrior that he was. And then, of course, we know about the affair with Bathsheba and, and the conspiracy to kill for her husband to be killed. And when, when he kind of came to himself and realized what he had done, the shame and the guilt that he expressed was tremendous, profound. He, he went through a lot of different things and expressed those feelings. So what can we learn about that? And of course, he wrote about many of those in the Psalms. Those are David's reflections, David's poems, David's songs. So what can we learn about those things? So the first, it kind of comes in three movements that you see that David does in the Psalms. The first movement is to lament. Is to lament. Do you ever... Do you ever just really need to just talk to somebody and you ask a friend or family member, can I just vent for a minute? Or maybe someone has said to you, I just need to vent. I just need to vent. Right? It's, it's, there's, there are these feelings inside of you, whatever it is. You're frustrated, you're angry, you're confused, you're, and you just need to say it. You just need to get it outside of yourself. You're not looking for the person to fix it. You're not blaming the other person. You just need to say it. Get it outside. I learned an important lesson uh, in, in this with uh, Mary. This was early in our relationship, and yes, I did get her permission to share this, in case you're wondering. Verified earlier today. Um, so, um, so Mary was uh, venting one evening about her own work situation. I don't remember what the situation was. I just remember she was venting. And after a while, you know, I, I mean, talking about cultural stereotype, I'm a guy. I like to fix things. Some of you know what comes next, right? I started thinking, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what. If you, well, what, have you thought about doing that? Have you tried this? Have you? And so she starts to get frustrated, and then I'm getting frustrated. I don't know why she's frustrated, because I'm just trying to help, and she's frustrated. And finally, she just says, you know, sometimes I just need you to say, that really stinks. And that's all I need. I just need to vent. That's what the vent, to vent, right? In a, in a way, lament is the same thing that we do to God. I just need to vent. It's a way of saying, I've got these feelings. I need to feel these feelings, and I just need to say them somehow. Now, this is different than complaining. This is different than complaining. Yes, the Bible has some places where it talks about a complaint uh, from God against the people or the people against God or whatever it is. But remember, that's more in the formal sense of a complaint. Like you might file a complaint against your neighbor for their dog that won't stop barking in the middle of the night. Right? You file that complaint with the appropriate people. Okay, I'm talking about complaining. You know how we talk about complaining? It's the person who just seems to like to talk about how everything's terrible. Well, here's the important difference. Complaining, as we think of it, is often the language of helplessness. It's helpless. I mean, there's not necessarily an effort to change something or to make something happen. It's just, it's helplessness. Think of the Israelites in the wilderness in the Old Testament. After they, they were finally free, they had been slaves for years and years and years, generations, and they're finally free from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And one of the first things they did, remember, right, was they began to complain began to complain. A lament, on the other hand, is stating feelings about a problem 
from a posture of personal agency. Personal agency, meaning I see the situation, I, I'm beginning to understand the situation, and I'm going, I know I need to take action somehow. Now that's really different, isn't it, than simply complaining. A lament is about personal agency, and it is a form of prayer. It is to state to God what's, what's going on and why this is so difficult. Not to blame God. How could you do that, God? I don't know. It's not to ask God necessarily to fix it. Maybe say, well, I need your help, God. I need wisdom. I need insight. But to vent to God. It's like letting God hear your cries. I kind of think of it sometimes as in prayer, God saying, you know, I I can tell something's bothering you. Just tell me what's going on. I've got to lament, God. So just a couple of examples in the Psalms. There was one verse in, in what uh, Mika read just a minute ago. Verse 3, my tears have been my food all day long. Ah, horrible. My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Maybe even a little more intense than that is back in chapter 38 where David says this, I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Now that's a lament. Wow, that's a lament. Directed at God. So we lament. We feel the feelings, especially when times are tough. Feel it. Lament it, but we don't live there. We don't stay there. The next movement is remembering. Remembering. Sometimes somebody might even say to you, well, just don't forget to count your blessings. Well, sometimes that's (laughs) ill-timed as a comment. But there's some truth to it, too. I mean, it is helpful. Not, Not to negate the feelings, not to negate the difficulty, but to understand, I do have a roof over my head. I do have food to eat. I do have people that care about me. I do have whatever it is. I mean, whatever your blessings are. Yep, I do have those. To remember, especially God's goodness. In some churches, there's a response that is said every, every worship service where the pastor says, God is good. People say all the time. Pastor says all the time. And people say, God is good. It's just that constant reminder of God's goodness as we go. To remember the times of consolation that you have felt. We talked about that last week as a spiritual practice. What are the times of consolation you felt God's presence, you felt God's power, strength, love? Remember the times that you just you know God was at work in your life. Remember those things. You know, in the Old Testament, when people began to um, grumble or complain, or they began to stray off and do something, God said, no, I didn't want you to do that. The, the prophet or the leader, whoever it was in, in charge, so to speak, would tell the people, it, this is the way they would start. But remember how God did these things. Remember that we were once slaves in Egypt. Remember God provided. Remember God protected. Remember God did this. Remember God did that. Remember the call back to right relationship, the call back to wholeness, is to Remember. Much of what we do in a worship service is on is remembering. We remember when we sing the songs, 
We're remembering, recounting the things that God has done in the world and in our lives. Easiest example in worship is communion, where Jesus took the bread, gave it to his disciples, he took the cup, gave it to his disciples, and he says, do this and remember me. I mean, that's pretty direct. That's pretty clear. Remembering is important. That's why, that's why the psalm said in verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, or these things I remember as I lament. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. I remember being in the house of the Lord. So we lament, we remember. Third movement is yet praise. If I would read one more verse, verse 5 in Psalm 42 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior, and my God. The difficulty is still happening, and I've lamented it, and I've remembered God's goodness, and I will yet praise, even though the difficulty still exists. I will yet praise. So that, in a sense, when we can praise God, that's worship. Not necessarily a corporate worship service, but it is worship when we reorient our lives to God. You know, the word glory or glorify uh, shares the root of a word that means to give proper weight to. Right? So if, so if someone who's an authority on a topic gives you some advice, well, you're going to give that voice a lot of weight. Right? To give weight to God. And so those moments of praising God for all that God is, who God is, what God has done, an act of worship. It's an act of praise. We're encouraged to do this in the New Testament. In Romans 5, Paul writes, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. In the letter of James, He puts it this way. This is the way he starts the letter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But even in the difficult times that we lament, we remember, we praise, because God is at work in us, God continues to shape and mold us, to bring us to that place of wholeness, even in difficult times. So this is the soul reset practice for this week. This is the soul reset practice. To lament. When you feel the feelings, especially those difficult feelings, right? Sadness, depression, confusion, bewilderment. God, I'm feeling these things. Lament. But I remember, God, the ways that you have blessed me. I remember the ways that you have been at work in my life. And so I will praise you for who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do in and through me and in the world. We'll experience more and more that sense of wholeness that God intends for us as we go about our soul reset. So like I did last week, I'm going to invite you to pray together with me the prayer uh, to close the message. So let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, 
We thank you that you invite us to come just as we are, broken, bruised, joyful, disheartened, questioning, depressed, hopeful. You can handle whatever we bring. Thank you for the witness of David who teaches us to be real with our feelings and to remember, even in our sadness, all that you've done for us. Help us to praise you all the more in our trials. Give us joy in our hearts, even when sadness takes over our minds. Restore our gladness and walk with us on our journey to wholeness. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.